Lord God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for how beautiful it is, Lord, no matter if it's chilly or the wind blowing or whatever it is, it's beautiful because you're here, God. It's beautiful because, Jesus, you are beautiful, and we want to seek you. We want to hear from you this morning. And I ask, God, as we, we come before you and we open your word, that you would bless it, that you would give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying, Lord. And no matter, Lord, what the topic is, let your word go into our hearts that we may change and live that transformed life before you. So, Lord, I pray for your anointing, your touch by your Holy Spirit, and we ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Let me tell you about this. There was this bride who was really nervous about so many people coming to the wedding ceremony. So the pastor helped her out. The pastor gave her some advice on how to stay calm. And what he told her was this. When you enter the church, just focus on three things. Walking down the aisle, reaching the altar, and then meeting the groom. So the pastor said, so so remember this, the aisle, the altar, and the groom. Well, when the wedding began, as she walked down with her father, the people got a little concerned because they could hear the bride repeating herself, saying over and over, I'll alter him, I'll alter him, I'll alter him. (laughs) I thought that was funny. Well, isn't that often, though, what is done in marriage, right? We try and alter, change that other person there. But what really matters is who you are, how you carry yourself in marriage. In just about every wedding that I perform, I quote what someone once said. Marriage is more than finding the right person. It's being the right person. I like that. I think this brings us to the heart of this passage here. This morning, as we return to our study in the book of 1 Peter, and actually for for next week, this message and next week too, we find out how being the right person in marriage is the best way to bring an unbelieving spouse to Jesus. That's really the idea here when we come in uh, as Peter's writing here. So today, though... This passage we're going to cover, it speaks to the wife. Next time, it's going to be the husband. But let me say this before I go on. Don't check out here. I mean, maybe you're not married. Maybe you're single. Maybe, um, um, you know, oh, my marriage is great. Well, that's okay. I'm married to a wonderful Christian man. That's okay. But don't check out because there's some pure principles of God here that can be applied to anybody married or not. Okay, so today the focus is on the wife. And so I titled our message this morning, The Powerful Life of the Submitted Wife. The Powerful Life of the Submitted Wife. You like my little rhyme there. Um, Don't expect that next week. It's not going to rhyme. But but that's really the gist of this message. Now we're going to be looking at 1 Peter chapter 3 from verse 1 through verse 6. Now, Now, did you know that wives have superpowers. They do. Their superpowers uh, can actually affect the husband. And I would say whether an unbeliever or not. Her power is really found in her beauty. And so there's three ways we're going to see in this passage 
how her beauty, uh, what's in her beauty, can be so powerful. And this is our outline. This is our points to today. Number one, the beauty in her conduct. Number two, the beauty in her character. And number three, the beauty in her commitment. So we see this beauty in the conduct, character, and commitment. So let's, let's begin with the first thing we're going to see. Number one, the beauty in her conduct. The beauty in her conduct. Now, in this section, we're going to be covering verses 1 and 2. Verses 1 and 2. So if you're taking notes, that's what we will be covering. So take a look with me here now. 1 Peter chapter 3, and I'm reading from the ESV. It says here in verse 1, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. Look at verse 2. When they see your respectful and pure conduct. And we'll stop right there. Now, we begin with Peter, the apostle, uh, writing this first word. He says in verse 1, likewise. Likewise. That means, well, in a similar way. Well, in a similar way to what? Well, when we come into chapter 3, Peter's been flowing here with this thought. And in context, he's been talking about how important it is to submit. And you remember back in chapter 2, verse 13, he talked about, and you could flip there if you want. He, he said, be subject, right, uh, for the Lord's sake to every human institution. We went over that in our study, that we are to be in submission to the government above us. And so we talked about that back then. If you missed it, you can catch us on Spotify or podcast or our YouTube channel, even Facebook. So likewise, in a similar way, as Peter's been talking about, he's been talking about submitting to the authority of the government. And then he went on in verse 18 of chapter 2, servants be subject to your masters with all respect. So he flowed into that about Uh, servants back then, uh, most of the servants were the ones who did everything. And so we applied it to our jobs today, that we are to be subject to our bosses, our employers. And so this is the principle Peter's been putting out, that you need to submit to the authority of the government, to the authority of your bosses. And now as we get into chapter 3, verse 1, he comes into the home now and he starts talking about in verse 1, how wives are to submit to the authority of their husbands. And likewise, in verse 7, we'll see next week, husbands. So he's talking about wives and talks about husbands here. So when he says likewise, he's saying in a similar way, place yourself under the authority. And he, we see in verse 1 as he goes on, likewise, wives, be subject, be in submission to your own husbands. Take a note, it says your own husbands. It's not like, oh, women, you got to be subject to all men. No, in particular, Paul, uh, Peter is talking about wives submitting to their husbands that they're being married to. So wives, you are to put yourselves under the authority of your husband. Now, understand, this is what God is saying. Understand, this is the word of God, the Bible, right? That this is really what God is is asking wives to do. And it really goes with his design, all right? This is how God designed marriage. Remember in Genesis 2, he created marriage. He instituted marriage. 
So he would know what the best thing to do for wives, and, and we'll see what husbands are going to submit to, and we'll talk about that next week. But, but understand, this is his design, design. This is like our assignment that, that God has given wives in their marriage. Now, this is God saying this. We know in Colossians 3, Paul wrote about it. Or in Ephesians 5, right, verse 22, Paul even wrote, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. So it's something that God is putting forth and has put forth. It's how he arranged our roles in marriage. Now, for me to say this today, yeah, to me to read this, look, it, it says here, and God's saying, wives, be subject to your own husbands. In our post-Christian society, this does not sit well. It does not go across that well. And maybe for some of you here, you already these protests are going in your mind. Maybe you're the, back, the hair on the back of your neck is going, you know, all that. Maybe you, you guys are like, you're like Tevya in uh, Fiddler on the Roof. You know, you're, you're singing, submission, submission, yeah, submission. It's actually tradition in a movie. But, you know, you're rejoicing what's being said here. But husbands, we're going to get to you next week. But understand what God is saying here. Now, let me disband any stray thoughts that may lead you to maybe some wrong conclusions. And first of all, this is not some blind obedience to just do anything your husband says. No, your duty in this submission goes as far as it does not go against God's word. And we talked about it with, with the gut, submission to authority in a government and submission to authority for your bosses. We, we mentioned it. Well, it goes the same here. This does not also, this does not also imply intellectual inferiority. It does not imply uh, uh, spiritual inferior, inferiority Either. I mean, uh, to me, some, some uh, uh, women are the most smartest people, I think, you know, better, more than me. My wife surely is. <laughs> this is my wife right here. Doesn't she look smart? Anyway, you know, or, or, or some of the strongest Christians, you know what, I know are women. And guys, this, this shames us because a lot of these women are, are far above us spiritually. And we need to step up, you guys. So it's, this is not implying intellectual or spiritual inferiority. And also, Peter, God really saying that wives should submit to their husband, it does not mean that men are better at leading or better at judgment, making good judgment calls. I mean, that's not what he's saying here. This is just the roles. This is just assignment that God set up. I mean, th- think about Jesus. Yeah. He submitted to the Father, the Heavenly Father, right? It didn't make him any less. I was thinking about when he was growing up. I'm sure he was a good kid. And he submitted to the authority of his parents. I mean, this is the Son of God. I think we were talking at Men's Fellowship yesterday. Like um, someone mentioned, well, I wonder if his parents even disciplined him. Like, wow, this is God. You know, how can you do that? Be scary. But no, he submitted, right? This is the roles. This is what God had ordered, had asked what he designed marriage to be. So understand, saying wives should submit to their husband, it does not mean that men are better at leading or better at judgment. None, none of that. Matter of fact, I, I need the input of my wife. I mean, she has wisdom. She can see things that I don't see. 
And so I, I cherish that. I welcome that. So it's not about someone being a better leader or someone making a, a better judgment call. I, I heard about this husband who was trying to make this very point, and he told his wife, Now, honey, you got to admit, men are better at judgment than women. I mean, yeah, no one's spiritually higher or better, but men are just better at making good judgments. Well, the wife replied and said, Yeah, okay. I guess you are better at making good judgments, and I'm not. I mean, I see it. Look, look at us. You married me, and I married you. <laughs> I like that one. So understand this today. This is what God is saying. It's his roles, his assignment. Yeah. As wives, you are to submit to your husband. So, you know, don't shoot the messenger here. Right? Submit to submission. I like that. All right. So Peter goes on here in verse 1 now. And so why is this important? Likewise, wives, he's subject to your husband. Why is it important? Well, he goes on and he says, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. That's why this is so important. Submitting may lead your unsaved husband to be saved in Jesus. That, that's really the whole point here. See, a husband who does not obey the word, which means like respond to the gospel, not following the word of God in that way. You see, the husband may be one, be saved in Christ without even one word said, but by the conduct of the wife. And what's that conduct? Well, being submissive, a wife being submissive to the husband, lining up to God's design, doing what God has asked, whether your husband noticed, is saved or not. Interesting, right? So here Peter is addressing wives who have come to be saved, yet their husbands aren't. And, and they haven't responded to the gospel. Now, you have to understand something here too. In the Roman times, in these ancient times, uh, women, wives, they, they, it was really bad for them. They were treated poorly. They were more like property if anything. And so you can imagine these women, these wives who have come to the Lord, they're like, okay, well, how do we handle this now? I mean, I mean, <clears throat> what, what are we to do? I mean, my husband, she, he's really bad. He treats me bad. I mean, I'm sure there are some good husbands in there and all that. But they're probably wondering, well, well, well what do I do? I mean, I'm in Christ now. God treats me as an equal, you know. Um, that's the way God sees me. Society is saying this. I mean, the, the, is this an excuse since I'm a Christian to, to leave now? Can I leave the marriage? Actually, Paul in 1 Corinthians 7 wrote, hey, if you're married to an unbeliever, stay there. If he wants to go, let him go. But did you know, Paul says, that your presence there in the family actually brings a blessing upon the family? So what is a wife to do under these circumstances? Well, the idea really here, how do we handle things? Well, you got to approach it as God has placed you on a mission. Think about it that way. She is to let her conduct, right, be that witness and bring her husband to the Lord. That submissiveness, 
that taking the action of being uh, submissive to her unbelieving husband, that's going to be a light and witness to the husband. That's why Peter says, look, without a word, without a word, just by how you live, that, that's how you can change things. Now, when, it, when he does write without a word, doesn't mean you don't talk. Doesn't mean you don't share about God. I mean, we know Romans ten seventeen says that faith comes by hearing and hearing what? The word of God. Yeah. It's the word of God, like we're studying today, that transforms us, makes a difference in our life that the Holy Spirit uses because it's God talking. So it's not, not about, well, you, you just got to be absolutely quiet. No, what it means is don't be all talk, right, and not submit. Don't be, don't be just always talking all the time or nagging your husband about the Lord, about you need Jesus. Don't berate him at all. But, you know, let your conduct show a changed life. That's really the idea. The whole purpose in this submission, other than to, to follow God and how he designed marriage, is to... To, to be a witness, to get on this mission that, that your husband may see your godliness in your submission and come to Jesus Christ. Now, this is exactly what Peter's been talking about. Way back, you can take a look at 1 Peter chapter 2. Remember in verse 12, he wrote in 2.12, Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Remember back then, he, he was talking to all but believers that, hey, we, we're under this persecution. They're going to accuse us falsely. They're going to try and get to us. But, hey, keep your conduct godly. Keep it going so that, you know what, they're going to glorify God on that day of visitation. And we learned that that meant when they get saved. When they get saved, they're going to see you and go, you know what, your life witnessed to me. Your life made an impact on me. So from verse 12, right, Peter goes to, hey, verse 13, so you guys be in submission to the government. Be a good witness. And remember, he said, whether they're good or bad. And then in verse 18 in chapter 2, servants, right, employees be in submission to the, your employers, whether they're good or bad. We studied all that. So in the same flow of thought here, in the context of the passage and what Peter is writing, that's the idea. That as it goes with the government, it goes with your boss. Now let your conduct do your talking in your marriage. Let how you submit to your husband Win him to Jesus Christ. You remember I quoted um, Francis of Assisi uh, back, I don't know, maybe a month ago when we were in these passages. And he said this, preach the gospel at all times. If necessary, use words. And I love that, right? I love this. He's not saying, well, we can't share Christ, you know, out of our mouth. But, but let our lives show what God has done in us. And what is God's uh, ideal in marriage? What is his role, his design? Is for wives to be submissive to their husband, to get back to that. And so then in verse 1, uh, or verse 2, I should say, then Peter, he s says, here's what speaks the loudest in your submission. Verse 2 says, when they see your respectful and pure conduct. 
Now, respectful, basically, he's saying, look, treat the, your unbelieving husband with honor. Respect him. Give him respect. Well, he's not saved. Yeah, but still, you can be respectful. Yeah. Well, he does all these things. No, but honor him. You know, respect him. Talk to him, you know, politely. Don't, don't like, get all angry and all bitter and resentment. Don't let all that come out. And then he says, also with a uh, pure conduct. That, that pure speaks about morally. It speaks about being godly. It speaks about, you know, showing a changed life. So you could submit. You go, okay, I'm going to do that. All right, whatever, you know. You can do it that way, right? Or you can be respectful and pure in your heart and obeying the Lord and, and, and submitting because I'm doing this for the God. I'm, I'm doing this for God. I'm doing this for Jesus because he asked me. And so you come in with that attitude. And let me tell you, this kind of submission that's respectful and pure, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. So the beauty in her conduct is in this submission. The beauty that comes out of the wife in her conduct is this kind of submission. This is what Peter's putting out here. You know, I, I heard of, of how some women, they go all out to try and reach their unsafe husband. I mean, I heard all kinds of different things, like, like setting all the preset buttons on the radio in their car to a Christian station, right? Yeah, you know, KUKE, you know, 101.3, our radio station, I'm going to set it all there. And so when you try to split, it's just stuck there. You know, super glue the dials. I can't turn it. You know, yeah. So he's gonna hear. Or, 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 or they, they, they like um, when Billy Graham's on TV. You turn the volume all the way up. Do you hear that? Do you hear that? Huh? Do you hear what he's saying? You know, you you gotta repent. You know, building a pulpit right there in the home so you can you can preach, right? Or how about putting tracks in their lunch? Even putting tracks taking out the meat and putting the track in the sandwich so when they take a bite, they got to take it out. Read it. I mean, that, that's crazy. So they're, you know, forced to read it. Some, some women go all out in this way. But if you don't submit, whatever you do means nothing, right? And, and if anything, wives, you should go all out in this beauty of your conduct in submission. That's really what will bring your husband to the Lord. Now, <laughs> it can be hard. It can be difficult. But this is what God is asking you to do. It's one thing if your husband's a believer. But it's hard when they're not. Or it's even hard when they don't quote, unquote, follow the word, obey the word, right? Maybe they've drifted away from Christ. They're not living as a Christian. Well, you can take this passage in the same way if you're in that situation, that you can still be respectful and pure in your conduct. So this is the powerful life of the submitted wife, the beauty in her conduct. Let's go to number two now. The beauty in her character. The beauty in her character. 
Here we're going to cover verse 3 and 4. Verse 3 and 4. So if you want to take a look at that. First Peter chapter 3, verse 3, it says, Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry, or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. So we'll stop here. Now, Peter goes on writing here, talking of the wife's adorning. What does that mean? Well, the NLT translates it outward beauty. So it's it's the outward part. It's the physical part. It's what you see. So Peter's like saying, don't let your focus be on the external, as he writes here. The adorning be external. Like, like what? Well, he says the braiding of hair. Did you know? Yes, back in the ancient times and Roman times that women, they braided their hair. They are into fixing up their hair. They, um, they would style it. They actually would color it. Um, I heard um, uh, uh, com- uh, re- reports on, of how they even put it up in a high, like beehive thing, even three feet high. And that, that was the thing they were into back in, in the Roman society, Rome, Roman Greek society. They even had wigs they would wear. And you know, guess what the favorite color was? Blonde. That's what I heard. <laughs> Interesting. So he's saying, look, don't focus on external, the braiding of hair, or like, like putting on gold jewelry, rings, necklaces, all that. They were into the bling too. And also he says, clothing. He says, don't let your adorning be external or like the clothing you wear. Well, the same as today, getting into the styles, getting into your looks, yeah. That's what Peter's saying. Don't don't be so focused in on that. And think about our society today. Isn't that what it's all about? Yeah. It's like this is your person depending on how you look, right? And I, I read about a 26-year-old Swedish woman. Her name was Pixie Fox. And she went through 100 surgeries in her obsession to look like, you know what, a real-life Barbie. Crazy. She spent nearly $170,000 on these surgeries. Her mother wasn't happy, said certain things about this and stuff. But one, one thing that caught my eye was her mother wondered, now she is 26. What happens when she's 62? That's a good question, right? With all this money pouring. Because what we all get old. But is that really what you should focus so much effort on? So much time, so much money on? Peter's like, hey, don't be so concerned about the out- outward, the external. Now, <clears throat> take note here. Peter's not saying women should not do anything to look good. That, that's not what he's putting out here. Some, some Christians have taken the, this to the opposite extreme. A pastor friend uh, I heard got a call, uh, said that he had got a call, and the, the caller said, hey, how can you let those Jezebels in the church? They wear makeup. They wear pants. And you know what? They're going to hell. Crazy. For real. This happened. God is not saying you can't do your hair, wear nice clothes, wear, wear makeup. That's not what the Lord is saying. 
I, I like what J. Vernon McGee once said. When someone wrote to him to ask if it's okay to wear makeup, he said, if the barn needs painting, then paint it. It's all right. It's okay. There's a balance in this, yeah? There, there's a balance in all this. It's not one extreme to the other. The, the thing is, is that Peter's saying that, wives, you should not be obsessed with your outward appearance. But you know what's more important? To be clothed with the inward person of the heart. And that's what he says here in, in verse 4. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart. What is that? He's saying true beauty comes from the char- your character, the character of your heart. It speaks of your spiritual qualities. It, it, it speaks of your godliness. You know what it talks about? It, it talks about the, 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 the person inside, this inner person who's been transformed by the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. That's what it's about. And that character, that person, he says here in verse 4, he says that uh, um, the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty. This doesn't go away. It never gets old. It never gets gray hair. It never gets wrinkles. It, 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 things don't, your muscles don't say, you know. I mean, look at me. Look how old I am now. Gray hair, everything, yeah. This person, the new you, whom Christ, you who Christ and sa- come and save your soul and the spirit is transforming you, you know what? That is imperishable. That goes on into heaven. So don't put priority on the outward because it's the inward that really matters. You probably all know maybe someone who on the outside is, oh, they look good. But from the inside comes out this crass and, you know, attitude, a criticalness, this, this anger, this bitterness, this resenting attitude. I mean, think about that. No matter how much makeup that person can put on, it'll never come up, cover up the ugliness of that sin. And so, so Peter's like, don't put priority on the outward. It's the inward that really matters. And then he gives you, he gives wives two things that you can wear. He says, now with the imperishable beauty of a gentle heart, verse four, um, a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. So here's two jewels that you can wear. Uh, a gentle spirit. It, it speaks of a humbleness. The word really means meek in the original language. It's meek. It's meekness. Now, it's been said meekness is not weakness, but it's strength under control. And I like to think about it as, as women who have a strength of character, who, who have self-control. They can take it. They can handle it without going to pieces and getting all bitter and angry things coming out of their mouth. Matter of fact, that relates to a quiet spirit. It speaks of that temperament. They're, they're peaceful. They're calm. They're not boisterous. They're not saying inappropriate things and just 
just saying stuff that sometimes, you know, that's dangerous when you say stuff that you think, right? You got to kind of capture that and hold it back because it may not always be the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's our own self, maybe speaking out of hurt or anger or resentment. And so Peter's saying this kind of character, this, these characteristics are, at the end of verse 4, precious to God. In God's sight is very precious. This is what God values. And I like to think of it this way. Because these characteristics is who God is making us out to as a new person, right? Romans 8 talks about how we are conformed to the very image of Jesus Christ. That's what we're heading toward. That's what we're growing into, right? That's what God's plan is. So that's what's precious to the Lord. A beautiful woman has these characters. Proverbs 31.30 says, Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And I like to think of this gentle, quiet spirit, someone who, a, a woman who's becoming more like Christ and and and. And you know what, I, I believe when, uh, in our studies in Ephesians 5, 2, and wives submit to your husband, you know, and in weddings, I, I, I say this, and I tell the brides-to-be that, you know, your submission is a show of love. Husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church in Ephesians 5, but for women, that submission is a show of love, too. And so all of this is speaking about God's love, can you imagine, flowing out into, uh, out to their husband. So the beauty in her character is really what shines Jesus Christ. That's your mission. The beauty in your character is what shines Jesus Christ. One husband was sharing how he came to give his life to Christ, and with tears he explained how after his wife became a Christian, she just blossomed into this completely different, beautiful person. And he gave one incident when he came home drunk one night. She didn't yell at him. She didn't berate him. She didn't get on him. She just said three words, I love you. And the next morning when he was in his, what do you call it? Hangover, yeah, just feeling drunk and everything. She rolled over in bed, didn't get on him, but just said, I love you. And she kept showing that. She kept reiterating that. Her, her new character, her purity, her, her godly life, you know what? It only convicted him more and it reached his heart. And he finally asked the Lord into his life. And as he was sharing, he finished his testimony by saying to wives of, of lost husbands, do it with love, real love. So understand, husbands are not won to Christ by looks but love. And it's not about turning heads, but turning hearts. That's what Peter's putting forth here. So you see, wives, you have superpowers. <laughs> you do. You have superpowers. This is the powerful life of the submitted wife. So we've seen the beauty in her conduct, the beauty in her character. And finally, we go to number three, the beauty in her commitment. The beauty in her commitment. This is the last two verses for this morning verse 5 and 6. It reads here, For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used 
to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Adam, Abraham, sorry, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Okay, so Peter, he brings in the Old Testament, as he's been doing. Remember, uh, Peter's been schooled by Jesus those 40 days before, after the resurrection, before he ascended. In our study in Luke, we saw that um, Jesus had trained the disciples and, and seen the fulfillment of prophecy of him as the Messiah and, and, and totally gave him all this training and Bible study. So now Peter, as he preaches, where we saw it last Wednesday in the book of Acts, and, and here in what he writes, he always goes back to the Old Testament. That's his reference. That's his scriptures. There wasn't the New Testament yet. But here, Peter writing the New Testament, he goes to the Old Testament and he references the Old Testament as he's done before. So he's saying, look, this kind of submission, it's, it's been modeled before. It's, it's been done before back in the Old Testament from these holy women of God. Those in the past, they were adorned in the same way, he says here in verse uh, 5, right? He says these, these guys are also they were adorned themselves in submitting to their husband. They were adorned with that conduct of submission to their husband. And so he's saying, look to them now. And in this, notice here it says, who hoped in God in verse 5. They put their hope in the Lord. What does that mean? They trusted the Lord. Listen to the NLT. It translates it this way. They put their trust in God and accepted the authority of their husbands. That's what Peter's writing about. They submitted to their husbands trusting God. That's why they were holy women. These were godly women. They followed God's design. They, they, They went right there and did their duty and their assignment before the Lord. As they trusted God in their submission, as they submitted to the authority of their husbands. So the wife who submits to her husband, you know what? Trust God. They trust the Lord in it. Whether the husband is what? Good or bad. I mean, we talked about the same thing back in chapter 2 with government. Right? We're to submit to the government, whether they're good or bad. Because this is God's plan, what He wants us to do sovereignly and what they put forth. And we trust God in that sovereignty of God. Same as your boss at work. You are to be in submission to Him, trusting God in it. And so think about these wives married to unbelieving husbands. Peter's saying, look, trust God. No matter they're not believers, no matter how they treat you, you know what? Submit to them as you submit to God and trust God in it. Billy Graham's wife, Ruth, said, it is my job to love my Billy and God's job to make him good. I like that. Right? As we started this morning, we can't change the other person. Only God can. But as we live out the roles that God has given us, God uses that to change your spouse. So then Peter, now in verse 6, he goes on and he gives this example. He says, yeah, these holy women of God, and then 
And as like Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. She respected Abraham and called him Lord. Now, this isn't like Lord God kind of thing. It, it, it's more towards like her attitude as his like master kind of thing. But in submission to his leadership, that, that's what Peter is saying. So guys, don't take this wrong and go home and think that you can order your wife. Okay, see, you got to call me Lord now, you know. I mean, I, I'd watch out because, you know, I don't know, maybe God would be okay if your wife took that frying pan and, you know, no. But don't do that. That's not what he's saying. It's really talking about that submission to the leadership. And then Peter says, in this wife submitting to their husbands, he says that, like Sarah did, then you know what? You become her children. You are her children as believers. The, the thought of that is that, like, the, it's a Jewish thought. It's like uh, Abraham is our father, right? Father Abraham. We're, we're, you know, and then Paul talks about spiritually, we're spiritual children because Abraham uh, believed in faith. And so in this same thought, Peter's saying, look, you're like her children. You're like daughters of Sarah when you submit to your husband. You're going along in the same line, in the same way. You're following her model, not the model of the world. I mean, we see magazines and models like that. That, that. We don't want that. We have the model of godly women in the Bible and godly women around us who are daughters of Sarah also. And then he says that if you do good and do not fear anything, that is frightening. What is that? Well, he's saying don't be afraid. Keep doing good. Keep submitting to your unbelieving husbands. Do not fear. Like, don't be afraid of what the husband might do. What might come from you just being submitted. Well, don't be afraid. You know what, what um, Peter's saying? Don't be afraid to live that changed life. Don't be afraid. Go for it. Be bold about it. Live that changed life in what he's described here in our passage. Trust God. Live that changed life. Don't be intimidated. Stick to doing what is right before God. So the beauty in her commitment is in her trust in God. The beauty in her commitment is her trust in God. That's what Peter's saying. Trust the Lord. Let him work. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30 in the middle of the verse says, Those who honor me, I will honor. The Lord is speaking here. So honor God by trusting Him in what He asks you to do, no matter how hard it is, and let God work. I'm going to close with this. I heard about this um, wealthy German man who was unsaved and very worldly, and his believing wife basically put up with him for, for many years. She never scolded him, never complained, treated him kindly, uh, no matter how he treated her, she just kept pouring out the love. One night he was drinking with his buddies and he, he boasted how submissive his wife is. And so he made a bet that if they all come to his house, that she would get up from her sleep and serve them food. So they took him on and when they came to the house, she happily served all of them food without any trace of resentment. 
Now, one of his friends was totally taken back. And, and, and he just couldn't believe the attitude, really a beautiful attitude she had. And so he turned to the wife and said, how on earth could you do this? Your husband seems to treat you so badly. And still you come out with this. Still you come out with this heart. Still you have a good attitude. Well, the Christian wife replied, well, my husband and I were both lost and without God. But by the grace of God, I have been forgiven when I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I pray daily that my husband will come to Jesus also. But I see no change in him. So I fear that he must be lost forever. So I made a commitment to try and be the best wife I can be as long as he is here. Well, you know, on hearing this, the husband spoke up and and asked his wife, Do you really feel I will be lost forever? Uh, Yes, she said with compassion. I pray you would one day repent and receive the forgiveness of Christ like I did. But that he had everyone leave. And the husband then got down on his knees and asked Jesus into his life. And that night, he was saved. Do you understand? Wives, you women, you have superpowers. You really do. And so this is the powerful life of the submitted wife. Let's pray. Lord, as we come before you, there's... There's so much here, God, that you have poured out into us by your Spirit. That your Word speaks to all of us, Lord. It doesn't have to just be wives or singles, Lord. But even guys, Lord. And this wife that you have modeled before us. That Peter is asking wives to be. Lord, help us in our character be like you, Christ. Help us in how we carry ourselves, whether in our marriages or wherever we go, Lord, that we would be like you, Jesus. God, sometimes we are so vocal about our rights, about how unfair things might be or someone is. But in the end, God, you have a right to our life and you have a right to dictate what you want us to do. And in obedience, God, we must do it. But it's not like you're some dictator-ish slave driver. But it's how you created things. And it's how you are creating us. And it's how you made us to be. So that in the bigger plan, Lord, it's about your glory and people coming to Jesus. God, I, I, I was thinking about what we talked about in our men's fellowship yesterday is how we can center so much on me, on ourself, and we're blind to your overall plan that you're orchestrating and and doing. And sometimes we're so selfish that we hinder the experience we could have in seeing people come to Christ when we would just live as you asked us to be. So, Lord, this morning, I pray for all of us that you would help us in this way. And I pray for wives, God, who are struggling in their marriage, who have unsafe husbands or husbands who no longer follow your word and walk with you, God. Maybe 
there's wives who got saved after they got married. Maybe there's wives who, who married Christian husbands, but now they're like nowhere spiritually. God, it's hard. It's painful. It's a struggle. But Lord, I pray that this passage would equip them right now to line up to what your Holy Spirit is wanting to do in them. That they can be powerful in you as they submit to their husband. Lord, I pray you bring strength, healing, God. I pray that you would cool the anger, pull out the roots of bitterness, that you would shower them with your grace and help them to forgive God. And Lord, in all of us, pour your love into us so that we can have it flow out of us. So here we are, Lord, all of us, humble God by what you're calling us to do but trusting you in faith that through your spirit and this new life we have we are capable and you give us the ability so Lord we want to let our lives glorify you let how we conduct our lives how we are who we are Lord be worshipped be praise to you. In Jesus' name, amen.